Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. This one is called, If God Can Use Me, Why Not You? Yeah, it's true. So in this one, I'm going to be real personal with you and tell you about some of my origins and some of my beginnings in the entire whole prophecy, gift of prophecy, ministry of prophecy, the office of a prophet, but basically my beginnings. I want you to also know that a new book is coming out any day. It might already be out when you listen to this. It's called The Prophet. Creating and Sustaining a Prophetic Culture of Life. Yes, because it's creating and sustaining. And so there are things that are in this book that I have never taught before. It takes the best of my vintage materials of the past, and it weds it together with the best of the new materials, like where eagles dared fly, seven spirits into seven cultural mountains, women in the prophetic, and how about commissioned into our call. And then it closes with a vision of the future, the bride of Christ. In the book, what? Called The Prophet. Well, the theme verse for today comes from Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. The theme again is, if God can use me, why not you? Numbers eleven twenty-nine is a culminating verse to where the Lord speaks to Moses that he's just got too much work to do. And the burden of the Lord is on him. And so the Lord tells him to gather the elders together at the tent of beating and says God would come down and he would take some of the spirit, it literally says that, that is upon Moses and would multiply it and put it upon the 70 elders. They all gather and they prophesy, but it's a great beginning, but it's a sad ending. Why? Because it says, but they prophesied only this once. Oh, that's sort of like people who want to move in the gifts, but they only want to do it at church. Oh, oh, because it's performance based and they practice it there, but they don't carry it into their everyday life. That is what happens. There's this greatest prophet ever, Moses. God literally comes down. They have leadership. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon the leadership. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and he spoke to him. He took of the Spirit, verse 25. 
who was upon him, and he placed him upon the seventy elders. And when the Holy Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do it again. What? Well, that's an Old Testament maybe perspective. But the New Testament perspective is, when God gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. And it's also under our delegated stewardship. So yes, you can do it once, but why stop? So this goes on to Numbers 11.29. This is, in fact, one of my favorite Bible lessons to teach about. And that then there's these two, I call them, you know, the hungry desperados. Their names were me dad and El dad. I mean, I don't know what those Hebrew names, what they're, how you'd really pronounce them, but me dad and El dad. And they were these two hungry desperados that they didn't show up at the right place at the right time, but they were saying, right here, Lord, right now, I'm hungry too. So I don't know why they didn't show up, but they didn't. I guess they missed the bus ride that day. I guess maybe their camel was thirsty and they had to stop for a drink and they didn't get there. All we know is, They didn't show up to be with the 70, but they got an invitation. You have an invitation too. But these guys were out in the camp where the people lived. Huh. And they start prophesying, and there's no indication when they started that they ever quit. Oh, you mean they didn't get it the right way? They didn't show up at the tent? They didn't show up at the conference? Don't you know you have to show up at the special light the fire? You got to show up at the gathering? You got to show up at the prophet gathering to get the un- the ha, the anointing? <laughs> I wish you could see me visually right now, okay? No. Yes. Be hungry. The issue is they did not show up at the right place at the right time. We're not told why, but they remain hungry. And they're going, God, remember us too. Remember us too. But they had something that was within them was to not just prophesy once, but to take the special prophetic presence of God and to release it where the people live. For the many, not the few. That is probably a look into the future of the new covenant. Because yes, there are those who are prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But their job is what? According to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, equipping the saints to do what they do. You know what? You're really not a full-blown mature prophet unless you are mentoring others to do what you do. Because they're called, all the fivefold ministry gifts are called to not keep it to themselves, but to give it away, give them training lessons, and help them to get their own wings. Yeah. So, what happens is, jealousy happens. Competition is going on. So, these two guys, me, dad, and L dad, according to Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. So young Joshua, the son of Nun, (laughs) that's a fascinating little phrase, isn't it? Verse 28, Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses, from his youth, he sees what's going on. 
He was maybe part of one of those who was at the tent of meeting and prophesied. And he sees me, dad, and now dad, and they're out there and they don't quit. And Joshua freaks out. Joshua goes, maybe the religious list. Well, they don't qualify. They didn't make it. They didn't, you know, there wasn't a revelation of grace. So here's what happens. Joshua says to Moses, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. But Moses, living under that mantle, says this. But Moses said to him, are you jealous? Stop. Now, that's not the actual, the end of the whole question. But I feel like there's a pause there. Are you jealous? In the discerning capacity of the Holy Spirit, Moses discerns what was in the heart of young Joshua. And Joshua had to get this lesson right if he was going to be a true inheritor of carrying the prophetic promise as a leader in the next generation. So Moses gets right after it and he goes, are you jealous for my sake? Would it be that all the Lord's people were prophets and that he would put his spirit upon them? Oh, come on. If God can use me, why not you? Well, I feel directed to just tell you some of my storyline. Because if God can use me, he could definitely use you. I grew up in a little town of 259 people called Calgill, Missouri. My mother came from a holiness, prayer, righteous background of the Wesleyan traditions. Actually, holiness background with her little four foot eleven mother that was half Cherokee Indian. And my mama grew up in church, in prayer in the faith. But in World War II, she married a man who uh, was handsome, blue-eyed, and very, very, very good-looking, and was a hard worker. But he didn't come from the same background. In fact, he came from poverty, and he was kicked out of the house when he was 12 to raise himself and only got a sixth-grade education. But they got married. I asked my mama, and growing up, I said, Mama, why? Oh, how did you and Daddy get together? My mama would just smile. She'd say, oh, it was the gleam in your daddy's blue eyes. <laughs> I love that story. Ain't got a thing to do with that, except it's my background. If God can use me, why not you? So I didn't come from the great royal dynasty I didn't necessarily come from the greatest genealogy. And maybe you haven't either. But I was hungry like a me dad and an old dad. I would go on walks as a child on the railroad tracks. And I'd go for a long time. I'd look up at the clouds and just talk to God. And God would talk to me. It was amazing. I would sing, and I loved singing, and due to this day, and I would sing hymns, and I just talked to God, and God talked back. And I thought that was normal Christianity, and I still believe it to this day. Well, in 1972, when I'm 20 years old, 
I went to Dallas, Texas from Kansas City to the Explo 72, where 100,000 young people came together at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas, to hear Dr. Bill Bright with Campus Crusade for Christ. And the fifth night, Dr. Billy Graham spoke. He spoke on commitment. And in a total non-emotional manner, I stood to my feet that night in the Cotton Bowl to dedicate my life to full-time Christian service. My mother had dedicated me to Jesus before I was ever born. And now I'm following up with not only personal faith towards God for salvation, but I am responding by surrendering myself to what I perceived was a call. Now, I was a rather intellectual type guy. I was not the most secure I had a lot of insecurities. I had a lot of rejection complex issues to have to learn and to grow through. But I had a deep hunger for God. And then I met the Jesus people at this festival. Oh, and there was after the Cotton Bowl event was over on Saturday, after Friday night and Billy Graham, on Saturday, there was this open-air music festival, and I heard people like Honey Tree, a what? Love Song, really? Children of the Day, Johnny Cash, and others sing contemporary music. I believed that day I met the tribe that I was created to be with. So, I became a Jesus person. I now ran with Jesus people. I'd been in the Navigators. I was in Campus Crusade for Christ. I attended Bible studies. I grew up Methodist. But now I was running with the Jesus people with long hair and braid on the bottom of their jeans and whatever, you know. And everybody had a tambourine and a guitar. And it wasn't how well you did what you did, but did you do it with all your heart? And it was awesome. And we met together every day for prayer at our college campus at 4 o'clock. And then we ended up getting an abandoned house that we restored. And it became the Jesus house in the middle of the university campus. And, And we would have these Bible studies and prayer meetings and things. And I would sit there as one of the young leaders And I would start to rub my hands. Yeah, I'd start to rub my hands. It was like a weather vane, and I was tuning in. And I didn't really know that that's what I was doing, but people knew that's what I was doing, because when I would start to do that, then there would come a certain pause or something in some of the singing, and then up out of me, the river would flow, and out of my mouth would come forth a river of living water, and I would start to prophesy. And it manifested, though, as I was tuning in by rubbing my hands. I didn't know I even did that, but everybody would be watching me in that Jesus people meeting, watching me sitting there over there on that radiator that, you know, on a on a cushion, and I'd be rubbing my hands, and I'm feeling the anointing, and then it would bubble up and gush forth with an inspirational gift of prophecy. 
Well, then I got introduced to leaders in the Jesus People movement and people like Paul Clark, who's still in contemporary music today. And, and I became a friend of him and, and different leaders in that were in Kansas City. And then I got introduced to the great Bible teacher, Derek Prince, as he, the scholarly British man then, and, and then sitting under that anointing of that teaching. And he did a message at 55th and Oak Presbyterian Church that the way of the cross leads home. And that night I got delivered of a spirit of rejection. I didn't even know what demonic spirits were. And I got delivered from a death wish and a spirit of rejection that night in the Jesus people movement. And the Lord started speaking to me and I started trembling and shaking at another one of the sessions when Bob Mumford was ministering. And the power of God came upon me and I was trembling as long before trembling like in the vineyard movement or the Toronto blessing or something like that. And the presence of God was all over me and he was speaking to me out of the book of John. Feed my sheep. I'm getting ready to graduate from college and I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I was graduating with a degree in social work. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. And I start weeping under the presence of God in a Presbyterian church in the Jesus people movement. Those were great days. I remember I read the track by Derek Prince, You Can Expel Demons, and I went and did it that afternoon. (laughs) Yes, because there's no such thing as a baby Holy Spirit. When you get Holy Spirit, when you get born again, when you get the Holy Spirit like Moses to those leaders, and he comes upon you, and you get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know before I ever spoke in tongues, I started prophesying? Do you know that I remember out of the tens of thousands of prophecies that I've given over 40-some years, over 47 years I've been prophesying? Do you know out of 47 to 48 years, I remember the very first prophecy I ever heard? Because the very first one I ever heard is one that came out of my mouth. Those are my beginnings. And if God can use someone who was skinny, someone who was fearful, someone who was insecure, someone who grew up in verbal abuse and needed bad to have his heart healed with his earthly dead, which happened later, God can use you. If God can use me, he, why not you? And today, someone who would stumble in speaking, who was fearful. I've spoken before thousands in a setting. I've spoken before the second largest church in the world. I've ministered to secretaries of state and government officials and military leaders and, and literally in 50 different nations and I've written 40-some books, translated into 20-some languages, and it's like, really? Yeah. And I grew up in Calgill, a Methodist kid. Listen, if God can use me, God wants and will use you. It starts with a surrendered heart. This is the path of a prophet. Or how about this? This is the path of a disciple in Jesus. My goal is not to be a prophet. My goal 
is to release the shadow of the man Christ Jesus. I was taught about Amy Simple McPherson, or about a John Wesley, or about a Charles Spurgeon, that denominations today are a shadow of a great man or woman of God. One of the goals of my life is to stand in the light. Because one time the Holy Spirit asked me a question, he said, how is a shadow cast? And you know, when God asks you a question, he's not always looking to you for the answer. He's asking you, every question is an invitation into greater intimacy. And so when he asked me that question, I knew he was not wanting my answer. He wanted me to come to him for his. And he says, how do you cast a shadow? And the Holy Spirit then speaks to me. Every great man and woman of God that casts a shadow is because they've learned to stand in the light. Wow. Well, it's where it starts. That's my beginnings. And yeah, and I've had mentors along the way. I had the honor of carrying the attache case of Mahesh Shavda, praying and raising my own money for missions trips serving him, bringing him coffee at 2 a.m. in the morning, one time in Prague, when he had his dress shoes on, praying for thousands of people in a healing line. I went to the hotel, and I came back with a cachet of coffee and his tennis shoes, and I took his dress shoes off. I knelt down, and I took his dress shoes off, and I put his tennis shoes on him. And God rewards where you serve. Serve where you want to go. I wanted more of the anointing, so I served a man of the anointing. I wanted to move, and as like a seer prophet, so I started holding up the hands of prophetic Papa Bob Jones, and I was one of the only people in the early days that he would let me lay hands upon his back when he would have sit in a chair and Scores, if not hundreds of people, would come in a line. He would take his hand and rub on their forehead and simply say, Holy unto the Lord. And I would pray in the Spirit, in the gift of tongues, for Bob, because he would get weary. But he loved me. He knew I knew how to pray. So he wanted me to serve him so he could be strengthened, so he could release more. Serve where you want to go. Well, if God can use me, God can use you. And I want you to know this right now. God sees you. God hears your cry like a me dad and an L dad. And you might not have the great theological degrees. Maybe you do. That's not the issue. The issue is the depth of your hunger is the length of your reach to God. If there's something I do have, it would be tenderness and it would be hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. I bless you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus, that if you're not hungry, that God will make you hungry. And if your heart is cold, that God will set a fire in your heart. If there's a stone in your heart, that God will send forth his word like a hammer to shatter the rock in your heart. And I pray that you'll be tender and sensitive and you'll be compassionate. 
And so I bless you with what I have carried for years. I bless you with a tender, sensitive heart. These things does God accept and he does not despise. A broken and a contrite heart he accepts. Psalm 51. I bless you with that. And I bless you with hunger. I want you to be a blind Bartimaeus. And I want you to say, right here, right now. So I bless you today with compassion and tenderness and brokenness and humility. And I bless you with a hunger that will reach out to God who is already reaching out to you. Well, this is James Gall with God Encounters Today podcast, where God encounters are for everyone This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.